Well, hello, and thank you very much for joining us today on the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and uh, we are continuing our series of podcasts here, exploring some of the, I won't say darker, but some of the cobwebby corners of jazz history. And uh, not because they're obscure, because they're not good, but because, uh, well, there's just an awful lot of jazz history out there, and I'm trying to bring you some uh, focused points of view here. And today, going to do something a little bit different. Uh, many of you know I've been doing a program on WETF uh, out of South Bend, Indiana, and uh, I've been uploading those shows once they are aired to this podcast. Well, I'm going to put out two. Um, I don't know when the WETF show is going to be uh, broadcast, but uh, I've been thinking about doing one based on the saxophone playing of a wonderful uh, saxophone player of the 1930s and 40s. His career went into the 50s and up to the early 60s, but he was known for small group sessions primarily in the 30s and 40s, and his name was Pete Brown. Uh, in putting together a show, podcast, uh, as I was planning to do on Pete Brown, there was just so much great stuff, I decided to do a kind of a twofer here. I'm going to play uh, some of the things that he recorded in the 1930s with a variety of different small groups, uh, and uh, that's going to be this podcast. And then for my radio show coming up, I'm going to do a... Uh, a show based on two players, Pete Brown and trumpeter Frankie Newton, because they were a team through most of the 30s, and I'll tell you all about them on the radio show. So I'll put the recordings where they were featured together, and there are quite a few of those, uh, on the radio show, and today we will hear Pete Brown without Frankie Newton. So who was Pete Brown? Well, he was primarily an alto saxophone player. He played some tenor um, and soprano, and uh, I suppose at some point he played a little clarinet. He also played violin and trumpet, of all things, and even recorded on trumpet a couple of times. Uh, he was born in 1906 in Baltimore, and he lived until 1963. Not a tremendously long life. He was kind of beset by weight problems, which uh, had uh, related health issues, I think diabetes and high blood pressure and different things, which really caused his health to go steadily downhill from the mid-50s on, although he kept recording up until close to the end of his life, and he was known at the end of his life as a teacher. Uh, some of you uh, m who are into bebop would know the name Cecil Payne, the great baritone saxophone player, and he credited Pete Brown with being his first teacher, probably in the mid to late 40s in that case. So, we're going to uh, do a range of different Pete Brown recordings for you. His style was unusual. The, the dominant alto saxophone style in the 1930s and 40s was, of course, Johnny Hodges and Benny Carter, a little bit of Willie Smith from the Jimmy Lunsford band thrown in. And they were players who played with a very big, round sound. Uh, in Benny Carter's case, it was very refined and very technical. In Johnny Hodges' case, it was very bluesy and very romantic sounding. Willie Smith uh, sort of combined the two of those. Pete Brown was something else again. He uh, was a uh, musician who was very rhythmic. In fact, uh, in some ways he was playing the saxophone almost as if it were a, 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 a percussion instrument. Uh, he had this sort of barking style on alto uh, that um, didn't fit with big band sections, and indeed he really didn't play too much with big bands. And probably in the late 1920s he played with a few. He made his first recordings uh, with a band that probably was uh, taken from the... Um, uh, stable of Clarence Williams in 1935. It was called the Birmingham Serenaders. I'm sure it was just a uh, studio group, and they recorded a couple of tunes featuring uh, solos by Pete Brown. And he was already pretty formed in terms of his style at that point in 1935. Although, as I said, he really didn't play too much with big bands. He much preferred 
combo jazz, and he was a, a regular on Swing Street in uh, New York. Part of it might have been, too, that he didn't care to travel. Uh, he wanted to stay around town, and that was the best way to do it. He played with uh, trios, with a piano and drums. Don Fry was one player he played with. He played with uh, small swing combinations. He played with uh, his own groups. He played with uh, somewhat more organized groups uh, led by Frankie Newton, which we'll hear on our radio show coming up, uh, and uh, did a lot of one-off recordings with a lot of different players. He was a very dependable, steady musician who had a, a readily identifiable style. Uh, he must have been a, a pretty good music reader. He played in a series of groups, including the first version of the John Kirby Sextet, which required some fairly precise playing. Uh, but he was known for his solos more than anything. So we're going to start with two tunes uh, from a session uh, from the middle 1930s, actually sort of towards the late 1930s. Uh, this was led by the New Orleans clarinet player Jimmy Noon, and is actually from December 1st of 1937. Noon was brought into the studio with a, a kind of an up-to-date band. Um, his uh, Almost contemporary Johnny Dodds uh, was brought in for the same reason. These were both these were recorded in New York for the Decca label, and I've played a number of recordings uh, from the early Decca years, uh, Earl Hines and, and Fletcher Henderson. This is from a couple of years later, and uh, this particular session was very productive. It uh, recorded four. Uh, sides to begin with, and I guess they took a break and recorded four more sides. Some of these feature vocals by the drummer O'Neill Spencer or by Teddy Bunn, the guitar player. And this is a kind of a, a little bit like the uh, Jimmy Noon group, uh, excuse me, the John Kirby group, uh, in that it had Charlie Shavers on trumpet, Pete Brown on alto. He was with the uh, with the um, Kirby group at the time. He's about to leave, and O'Neill Spencer on drums. The other players in the band were Teddy Bunn on guitar, a very fine blues and jazz guitarist, Wellman Bro, the great New Orleans bass player, Frank Smith on piano. He was a, a, a regular accompanist of Jimmy Noon's, in Chicago primarily, um, and he made quite a few recordings with him and uh, some live recordings as well. But the stars, of course, Jimmy Noon, the great New Orleans clarinet player who was still playing very, very well in the 30s. He had another... Um, uh, seven years of life before he finally passed away very suddenly uh, out on the west coast uh, just as the New Orleans revival was about to get underway but here uh, this particular recording session shows that he could uh, be very comfortable in a swing setting even playing numbers that he had uh, made famous ten years earlier with his Apex Club band. The two tunes we're going to hear that feature Pete Brown on solo uh, are one called Bump It, The Bumps, which is better known as Apex Blues, and Four or Five Times, which was a kind of a, 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 I don't know, a hokum bluesy type of tune. It was actually a pop tune from the 1920s, but it had some of those salacious uh, uh, lyrics going with it. So we're going to hear Pete Brown start out uh, playing on both of those tunes, give you a good idea of what his style was like. Then we're going to go to a couple of unusual tunes after that. One is called Jammin' the Waltz, and playing a jazz tune in waltz time in 3-4 was unusual uh, in the 1930s. Uh, this is one of the very few examples of that, and it's uh, here being done by um, 
the uh, Leonard Feather Old English Swing Band. It was actually a group kind of organized around Joe Marsala. Uh, Joe Marsala, the fine clarinet player who was leading the band at the Hickory House through uh, the latter part of the 30s, and some of his musicians, including Joe Bushkin on piano and celesta. Uh, Ray Biondi was on violin and guitar, Artie Shapiro on bass, and George Wetling on drums. We also are going to hear Bobby Hackett on cornet and some guitar in there as well. Pete Brown on alto and trumpet. Uh, I don't think he plays trumpet on this particular recording. Marcella plays clarinet and tenor, and we're going to hear, uh, we might hear a little bit of Leo Watson. Actually, he doesn't really sing on this particular recording. Uh, he was a, a, an interesting denizen of 52nd Street and a, a very effective scat singer. He uh, is on some of the other titles from this date, which was from March 10th of 1938. The band was also called the All-Star Jam Band under the direction of Leonard Feather. But this uh, will feature uh, Pete Brown on this tune called Jammin' of the Waltz, which was by Leonard Feather. Then we're going to finish up with a fairly long track. This uh, one was recorded on a 12-inch 78, so it goes on a little over four minutes. And it's called the Three O'Clock Jump, and the band is called Joe Marsala and his Delta Four. This time from April 4th of 1940, we have Bill Coleman on trumpet, uh, we have Joe Marsala on clarinet, Pete Brown on alto, Carmen Mastron on guitar, and Gene Traxler on bass. And uh, we also have a female singer in this case, Del Sean, taking the vocal on Three O'Clock Jump. So those are our four tunes for this little set to break us in on the style of Pete Brown. Bump It, a.k.a. Apex Blues, four or five times, Jammin' the Waltz, and the Three O'Clock Jump.
five times, four, five times, ain't it nice? Do things right, four, five times, four, five times, maybe I'll sigh, maybe I'll sigh, and maybe I'll cry, maybe I'll cry, but if I die, I'm gonna try to do it four, five times.
So we had a bit of a range of uh, different types of groups there with some similarities thrown in. First of all, of course, we had the saxophone playing of Pete Brown, and you get a sense of his rhythmic drive on those solos. And also, he had a very interesting harmonic sense. Some of the solos that he did, he would uh, he emphasize some, some alternate chord changes and some, some uh, substitutions that uh, people were not using in the late 30s. He was actually kind of looking ahead to Charlie Parker. I think a good example of that was the first track, which was the Apex Blues, uh, here known as Bump It, from 1937, and that was Jimmy Noon and his uh, New Orleans band, and that was a, uh, a group that, uh, as I said, was sort of put together just to feature Jimmy Noon on those Decca recordings. Uh, eight sides, some of which featured the vocal of O'Neill Spencer, who also played drums. He sang on the second tune um, four or five times, but uh, some fine jazz and some excellent trumpet playing as well by Charlie Shavers. We're going to hear some very good trumpet playing today in addition to the wonderful saxophone playing. You also get to hear some uh, excellent guitar playing by someone who's kind of been forgotten over the years, Teddy Bunn. He recorded some blues accompaniments, he recorded uh, with Sidney Bechet, he recorded uh, with Duke Ellington, uh, lots of different things he was doing, Teddy Bunn, in the 1930s, and no one really thinks about him. He did some fine solo guitar recordings for Blue Note Records a little after uh, these sides were made for Jimmy Noon, but you heard him especially well featured on four or five times. But uh, Pete Brown for me is the star of Bumpet, uh, Apex Blues, and he takes a, a nice break into a key change on four or five times as well. Then we heard uh, the unusual uh, treatment of a waltz, Jammin' the Waltz by Leonard Feather, and that had some very good Pete uh, Brown outings as well, along with Bobby Hackett on cornet and Joe Marsala on clarinet. Joe Bushkin played Celesta on that one, and then we had Ray Biondi on guitar, Artie Shapiro on bass, and George Wetling on drums. Alas, no Leo Watson, but we may hear from him on another show coming up. Then we finished up with that uh, long track, the three o'clock jump, a blues that started out as a fast jump type blues, then slowed down uh, after a break by the trumpet player Bill Coleman, wonderful trumpet player, to feature a slow blues vocal by Del St. John, and then went back up to tempo for four or five ensemble choruses after that. And we heard excellent Pete Brown, also Joe Marsala, doing almost an imitation of Jimmy Noon. He was very much influenced by Jimmy Noon when he was coming up in Chicago in the 19. Uh, 20s and into the 30s, and uh, he had that sound and that approach as well. So now we're going to go on to uh, a couple of tracks that are, actually three tracks that are not terribly well known. They feature a singer named Midge Williams. Midge Williams was an African-American singer who uh, was pretty present on the jazz scene in the 1930s. She had her own series of recordings for Variety and Vocalion. We're going to listen to... Um, a couple of those sides right now, three of them actually. She always featured fine jazz players um, with her. I don't know who she appeared with in person. Uh, she did make some recordings with big bands and uh, I think she later on became a cabaret singer, although not much is known about her life after the World War II years. So we're going to hear Midge Williams and her jazz gestures. The first uh, two tunes I had told you we weren't going to hear any Frankie Newton. We're saving those for the radio show while I lied. Um, these two have Frankie Newton as well as Pete Brown and Buster Bailey on clarinet. That was the front line of the first version of the John Kirby Sextet. And lo and behold, we have the rest of the John Kirby Sextet here as well. Billy Kyle on piano, John Kirby on bass, and O'Neill Spencer on drums. These are from October 1st of 1937. There's also an additional player, James McLinn on guitar. 
guitar. He was a, um, uh, a part of the John Kirby sextet, which would have been a septet at that point. In its early days, he's, I think, in a couple of um, pictures that were taken uh, at the Onyx Club and also on some of the earliest recordings. And these class of, are qualify as John Kirby recordings as well. We're going to hear uh, a, a different type of version of a tune that jazz singers were not singing at the time, a Rogers and Hart tune called The Lady is a Tramp, a long-form tune, but one that works very well in this setting. And then, after that, we're going to hear a tune called Fortune Tellin' Man by Davis and Coots, J. Fred Coots, uh, popular uh, song composers. And uh, I don't know what the history of this song is. It was, may have been written for a show, but Midge Williams gets some good blues elements out of it. That was in October of 1937. November 23rd of 1937, we're going to hear one more song. And this is uh, the classic uh, tune, Singing the Blues Till My Daddy Comes Home, by Lewis Young, Conrad, and Robinson. Of course, the great recording of that was made by the Frankie Trombauer Orchestra, featuring Big Spider back in 1927. This is 10 years later, and we get to hear the lyrics of this as well. It's with the same group, the John Kirby Sextet, with the uh, one change that Frankie Newton is replaced by Charlie Shavers, making this a little bit closer to the classic version. And if we go up another few months, uh, Midge Williams recorded with the Kirby Sextet, uh, a little bit closer with Russell Prokope instead of uh, Pete Brown, but we're doing Pete Brown today. So those three tunes, The Lady is a Tramp, Fortune Telling Man, and Singing the Blues will be coming up. And then we're going to finish off that set with uh, a tune that uh, is called Slow Jam Fizz, Slow Jam Fizz by Buster Bailey and Irving Mills, and this is done by uh, the Buster Bailey Rhythm Busters, which is yet another version of the John Kirby Sextet. Here we have Charlie Shavers, uh, Buster Bailey, Pete Brown. In this case, uh, we do have the rhythm section as well. We have Billy Kyle on piano, John Kirby and O'Neill Spencer, and uh, the mysterious James McLean on guitar. These are from February of 1938, so only uh, about three months after the last Midge Williams session. So you can see that this band, uh, Kirby's band, was really kind of a studio band for some of these different groups. This was also recorded for Vocalion, by the way, so that was a good enough musical group. They could come in and give you a, a, an excellent uh, performance on any type of material, whether it was closely arranged or swing or blues or whatever. So those are our four tunes right now. We're going to hear The Lady is a Tramp, Fortune Teller Man, Singing the Blues, and Slow Jam Fizz, all featuring the alto sax of Pete Brown.
was strong as a lion when he left the flat. Came home this morning just as weak as a cat. Candlelight singing the blues till my 
So there you have some interesting swing sessions. We heard uh, the last tune, which was Slow Jam Fizz by Buster Bailey and his Rhythm Busters, really the uh, John Kirby sextet with uh, James McLean on guitar. Heard some fine Charlie Shavers in there and some excellent Buster Bailey on clarinet. But in the middle, a very uh, spare but forthright solo by Pete Brown. And that was kind of one of his calling cards. He did not waste notes. He wasn't a virtuoso, or he didn't show off technically anyway. Uh, he made the, his notes count. He, he thought almost like a trumpet player or a trombone player might have, I think, in terms of uh, being very declarative in his solo statements. We're going to hear him play a little trumpet coming up in just a couple of minutes. So we started out with um, Midge Williams and her jazz gestures. And as I said, not a very well-known singer. She did a series of recordings for Vocalion in the late 30s. She also recorded with uh, Billy Hicks with Ted, uh, Teddy Wilson. Uh, she toured for a while with uh, John Kirby. Actually, she didn't tour. She play, uh, sang at the Onyx before his wife, uh, Maxine Sullivan, joined the band. Uh, she did tour with Louis Armstrong for a little while. She uh, toured the Orient in the early 30s, uh, I believe. Uh, she made some recordings in uh, Tokyo with a Japanese band, and I think she even sang in Japanese on a few of those. And uh, Someday we may play a little more of Midge Williams. She was a very uh, engaging singer. She had a nice jazz style, good pitch, and she certainly was blessed with good tunes. I don't know how much agency she had in picking her own songs, but she did record some very fine ones. And we heard the Rogers and Hart, Ladies of Tramp, Fortune Telling Man, which was, uh, as I said, a Davis and Coots song. I don't know where it came from. It was a bluesy song without being a blues, although right in the middle of it, Pete uh, Brown took a chorus on a 12-bar blues, which fit in very nicely. And then we ended up with Singing the Blues. Of course, not a blues, but a pop tune from the 1920s. It actually went back to about 1920. I think the original Dixieland Jazz Band was the first one to play that on records. Much better known, of course, by the Bix Beiderbeck and Frank Trumbauer recording. But this was a very different, uh, more of a bouncy version of the tune, featuring, again, Pete Brown on alto sax. So, uh, hearing some unusual swing recordings today, which is always a good thing. So we're going to do one more set of Pete Brown and some of the oddball things that he was recording in the 1930s. Beginning in the 1940s, he started playing with some other jazz groups and recording frequently under his own name for Savoy Records and uh, World Transcriptions. I think he did some Associated Transcriptions. He had a, a band that periodically had people like Joe Thomas on trumpet um, and Joe Wilder later on on trumpet in the 1950s. He made an album for Bethlehem. He recorded with... Uh, Big Joe Turner. We did a show on Joe Turner's blues a while back, his Atlantic recordings, and Pete Brown was featured on a few tracks from one of those recordings. He also recorded with champion Jack Dupre doing blues songs, uh, and he, he popped up here and there throughout the 1950s and into the early 60s, but as I said, he passed away in 1963 of uh, weight-related complications and some other things as well. So we're going to hear right now uh, a tune that uh, is the session made of an earlier one. We're going to hear Reunion in Harlem. This is, uh, was on the flip side of 3 o'clock jump, and as I said, that was done by Joe Marsala and his Delta Four. It was a 12-inch 78, so it was a longer playing time, went about four minutes or so, rather than the two and a half that was usual. We're going to hear Bill Coleman again on trumpet, uh, Joe Marsala on clarinet, Pete Brown on alto, Carmen Mastron on guitar, and Gene Traxler on bass from April 4th of 1940. Then we're going to uh, go to 
One of my very favorite swing sessions, I forget where I heard this first. This was on an LP I had as a high school student, and I just listened to this over and over again. I thought this was some of the coolest swing music ever, and I still do. Uh, this band was called the Leonard Feather uh, All-Star Jam Band, and it was from April 20th of 1939, and it featured a group that was remarkable in its diversity as well as its ability to double on different instruments. And so we're going to hear Bobby Hackett playing cornet and guitar, Benny Carter uh, playing alto sax and trumpet, Pete Brown playing alto sax and trumpet, Joe Marsala playing clarinet, Billy Kyle on piano, Hayes Alvis on bass, and Cozy Cole on drums. And we're going to hear three of the four tunes from that session. And um, you may need a scorecard to, to follow along here. I'll, 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 I'll recap when we get back. But the three tunes we're going to hear are the 12-bar uh, Stampede, Men of Harlem, which was Leonard Feather's take on the uh, British tune Men of Harlech, and Ocean Motion. So those three tunes. So the four tunes, again, are Reunion in Harlem, 12-Bar Stampede, Men of Harlem, and Ocean Motion. And we're going to hear quite a, quite a bit of, uh, of instrument switching as we go. Uh, we're going to hear a couple of places where we have three trumpets, Pete Brown, Bobby Hackett, and Benny Carter. Pete Brown will be taking uh, the trumpet solo at the end of Men of Harlem, as well as the alto solo at the beginning of it. And, uh, well, I'll tell you more about all of that as we go. So here's Pete Brown and the Leonard Feather All-Star Jam Band following Joe Marsala and his Delta Four. Thank you. 
So as I told you, some of my favorite swing sessions right there. We started out with uh, Reunion in Harlem, a nice slow blues featuring Bill Coleman on trumpet. Heard some lovely clarinet playing by Joe Marsala and some very impassioned blues playing by Pete Brown, um, backed up by Carmen Mastron and Gene Traxler from April 4th of 1940. Then the three tunes that I liked so much by Leonard Feather's All-Star Jam Band. Leonard Feather, of course, was a, a, a British uh, jazz writer, a uh, journalist. He also produced records. He was a piano player and wrote some songs, including uh, these. He's credited for these at any rate. And uh, he came over to the United States and uh, put together several recording bands in the 1930s before coming here permanently and becoming one of the uh, best-known jazz critics and uh, writers for uh periodicals like Downbeat and so forth. He was famed for his blindfold tests in Downbeat, where he would play recordings for a jazz artist and ask their opinions. Uh, hopefully, they didn't know them and they'd give an honest opinion. So the three tunes we heard were 12 Bar Stampede, Men of Harlem, and Ocean Motion. And as I said, quite a bit of doubling went on in those recordings. For um, 12 Bar Stampede, we had uh, Benny Carter beginning on trumpet, and then Pete Brown took an alto solo after that. Then with uh, Billy Kyle on piano, Joe Marsala, Benny Carter comes back for the beautifully shaped alto sax solo, and then uh, Bobby Hackett on cornet uh, comes in after that with a ensemble chorus or two on the way out. Then on uh, Men of Harlem, which had a nice bouncy theme, as I said, it was based on the British or Scottish tune, I guess, Men of Harlick. Um, Pete Brown plays the theme at the beginning in his very uh, humorous style. Um, he was known for, for, you know, just good spirits in his playing at all times, I guess. And then after that, Benny Carter played trumpet and Joe Marcel on clarinet with Billy Kyle playing a full chorus on piano. Carter plays some alto after that, and one of, I think, the best Benny Carter alto solos. This was actually, uh, th these tunes were uh, initially uh, revealed to me uh, through a, I think it was a Time Life collection on Benny Carter uh, that many libraries had, and my own public library did, and I remember listening to these and just being absolutely knocked out by these recordings. So after Carter uh, plays alto in that case, uh, we have Pete Brown coming back playing trumpet. And all through that, Bobby Hackett was playing guitar. Then the last tune we heard, Ocean Motion, uh, was a little bit more straight ahead. Pete Brown on alto, and Benny Carter takes it out on trumpet in his very uh, Louis Armstrong best style. So, hope you've enjoyed this program of Pete Brown and his alto saxophone. As I said, if you like this, uh, be patient. The uh, other set of Pete Brown recordings that I'm going to be uh, putting out on WETF will be on this podcast probably in a few weeks, and that's going to feature mostly Pete Brown with Frankie Newton and the things that they did with members of the John Kirby group, but also with uh, the wonderful uh, band that Frankie Newton led in the mid to late 30s, and also a few things from the Panazier sessions, and a few uh, sides by Buster Bailey and by Willie the Lion Smith as well. So, something to look forward to. Once again, this is the Jazz focus. Hope you are enjoying these podcasts. If you are of a mind to, please uh, consider supporting us and sponsoring us with that little button wherever you are listening to this podcast, whether it's Anchor.fm or Spotify or whatever. Please uh, help us out and uh, feel free too to suggest future programs. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my band name, the Wolverine Jazz Band, all one word, and WolverineJazzBand.com. 
So, some things to look forward to, as I said, and hope this uh, little burst of Pete Brown improved your day. This is the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and I'll see you on the other side.